That's what we're going to see during the thousand years. That's what we see now. We're, we're living in the New Testament. Amos chapter 9, beginning in verse 11. Uh, Amos the prophet prophesied about this in the last days. He said, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Remember, David, Amos is living after David. The tabernacle is not there anymore. He said, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. I'm going to rebuild it like it was when David was here. He said that they may possess the remnant of Edom. That's the Gentile, all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Says the Lord, says the Lord who does this thing. It's the Lord that, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Verse 13. And remember, we preached a whole series on this. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him will sow seed, the mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. How many know we're headed for favor? So the, so the, the, the bringing back of David's tabernacle is connected to this scripture Nine, right? Verse 13, very next verse. It's connected to a time of increased favor. So James picks it up. He picks up the prophecy in Acts chapter 15. And, and, and it's interesting to me that it's James who talks about the Gentiles coming in. Did you ever read the book of James? It's the most legalistic book in the whole Bible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he says, you know... If you don't have works, your faith is dead. You know, Paul, Paul probably rolled over in his grave. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, James brings some balance to the faith thing. And, you know, J James, James is old school. James is old school. He's still Jewish, you know. And, and so of all people to talk about this, James, after, the, after they had become silent, James answered saying, remember, this is where they had that big meeting. They had their general assembly, and they were talking about they're scratching their heads. And because up to then, everyone that was saved was a Jew. 
There was no Christianity. This was a Jewish religion that had found the Messiah. It wasn't like we're going to start a separate thing. They're just Jews that found the Messiah. Do you get what I'm saying? And by the way, we're going to come back to that in the last days. Oh, there's a lot there, a lot there to unpack. So we're coming back to that. But listen, they were just Jews, and all of a sudden, you Gentiles started getting saved. Now we kind of took it over, you know. But Gentiles started getting saved, and they're sitting back in Jerusalem saying, what are we going to do with these people? They're unholy. They're uncircumcised. They don't obey Jewish law. Remember, these Christians were not abandoned. They were still worshiping in the temple and in their homes. But they still went to temple. They were good Jews who had found the Messiah. Glory to God. This is a newsflash to some of you. But Jesus was a Jew. So James finally stood up. He was kind of head of the church. And he said, everyone got quiet. What's James going to say? You know, the tension. You know, if anyone's going to oppose this, James will be the one. Because James is like, I'm Jewish. I'm old school. Amen? So men and brethren, listen to me. Oh, here we go. Everyone's got quiet. Simon, Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet, hello, Amos, just as it is written, watch this, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. So that, so that. Whenever the Bible says, so that, it says it, so that. So that is a purpose statement. He's restoring the tabernacle so that all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, so that the rest, I'm sorry, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. The rest of mankind, that's you and me. May seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're restoring David's tabernacle, not for the Jews, but for us, for them as well. So what does it mean to restore the tabernacle? What, is it, what does it mean for us to there's, oh, there's just so much here we can talk about. Uh, but but here, here's just a couple points. You, will you stay with me? Number one, it's a time of great transition. This was a time, that, that was a time of great transition. How many know we're in one of those times right now? <clears throat> There's a, I forget which Scandinavian nation it was, but they actually came on record, one of their major politicians, and said this. They said, Christianity is no longer compatible with the morals of today. There's a new morality coming up. And it's not Christian. Listen, we are not compatible with modern-day morality. In other words, we're the ones that are wrong and are sinners. Really? This whole nation was built on Christian principles. They, I don't want to get political, but they say capitalism is evil. It's corrupt. Well, if it is corrupt, you know why? Because they are the ones that took, school, that took prayer out of the schools. 
They take prayer out. They take Christianity out. And then they wonder why all that's left is corruption. No, the answer is not get rid of Christianity. The answer is Christianity. Amen. If we can get some politicians saved, we might have a better country. Amen. We might have a more compassionate country. Are y'all good with that, or is there another party here that doesn't like that? I don't know. And if a preacher brings up politics in the pulpit, anathema. You might as well resign tomorrow morning. doesn't matter what you say, you're going to make half your church mad, right? So, we, of course, we need to stick to the Bible. We need to preach the word of the living God. Are you okay with that? That's what we're going to do. I'm not here to push any politician. They're all weird. They're all... Listen, the answer is not in Washington, D.C. The answer is in that book right here. Amen. The answer is Jesus Christ. I don't care who they elect until we... This is a time... Listen, there is warfare going on in the spirit realm that's far greater than what's going on in Washington, D.C. There's a fight for the very soul of Christianity. First Chronicles chapter 16. Let's, let's look at when, when David did, the, did this. How many remember when David brought the ark back because uh, the Philistines had captured it? Sometimes I think the Philistines have captured what belongs to the church. So here it is. So they brought the ark of God. This is after the Uzzah thing and that guy from Ohio. You remember that? So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. David built a tent, just a tent, with big enough for musicians and the ark of the covenant. That's it. And singers. Then they, they offered burnt offerings and peace, peace offerings before God. And he appointed some of the Levites. You had to be a Levite to be on the worship team. If you're in Judah and can sing well, tough. <laughs> Some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate, to remember, right? To thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Okay? So he left Asaph and his brothers there before the ark of the covenant, the worship team of the Lord, to minister before the ark regularly as every day's work required, 24-7 worship. And that went on for almost 40 years. And Obed-Edom with his 68 brethren, including, uh, including Obed-Edom, the son of Jeduthun and, and, and Josah, to be gatekeepers. So really there's like 70 guys there. And Zadok the priest, now watch this, and Zadok the priest and his brethren, the priests, before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was at Gibeon. So transition. I want you to get this right real quick. I wish I had more time. But listen, there, there's, there's two things going on here. At Gibeon, which is a few miles north of Jerusalem, it's now what's called the West Bank. So at, at Gibeon, Moses' tabernacle was set up. And everything was set up exactly as before. And the priests, the old school people, ministered there. On Mount Zion in Jerusalem... Is where the tent was. David didn't shut down the old. See, sometimes we want to shut things down 
instead of just let what God's doing do it. Sometimes you have to live with the tension. Sometimes you have to live with the tension of what God used to do as opposed to what He wants to do. And God doesn't always shut that down, but He is doing a new thing. And we want to get on our high horse and say, well, I know. Yeah, you may know, but you don't know at all. David knew what God was doing, but he didn't shut down what he had been doing. I don't know if that makes sense. But I want you to hear this. Everything was the same on Gibeon, every, the tent, the tabernacle, every piece of furniture except the ark. He took the ark and put it in the tent. The ark was where the presence was. <laughs> See, you may still be into what God used to do. But the question is, is God there? Is the presence of the Lord there? Because the presence of the Lord will always be where God is now. I know this is all a little cryptic, but you're hearing what I'm saying. We're in a time of transition. Transitions are hard. They're they're stressful. They cause conflict in churches, and it's hard. And I'm not saying there's any conflict here. We, you know, God's good. But, but listen, it, how many know change isn't easy? Some of you love change. Some of you hate change. I'm one of those nuts who loves change. If something doesn't change within six months, I'm like, come on, God, let's do it. Let's aggravate them some more. Come on. I want to be on the cutting edge of what God's doing. Anybody with me on that? Amen. Even when it's weird, even when it doesn't make sense, even when no one else is doing it, even when it doesn't seem to be working, if God's in it, I'm there. Is that the kind of pastor you want? If, if, if so, oh, that was weak. Okay. Wow. But he didn't get rid of it, but the presence was gone. Wow. Wow. Number two, it was a time of great favor during this time where there's 24-hour worship, 24-hour praise, 24-hour prayer. In Amos 9.13, I just read it to you, amen, about that, with the plowman overtaking the reaper. As soon as you put the seed in the ground and step over it, the guy behind you reaps it. Accelerated favor is coming. Number three, let's go, let's move on. Number three, the God chasers are emerging. Not everybody's a God chaser. You may be a Christian, you may love the Lord, you do what you're supposed to do. Amen. You're 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 a low maintenance member. You, you don't cause any trouble, you come to church, praise the Lord, you go home. And we love you. <laughs> but watch this. In the last days, some people are going to be God chasers. What did it say about David? He was a man after God's own heart. And that that bothers some people. How could David be a man after God's heart when he committed adultery? Well, what about the woman? Hey, he's the king. 
You don't say no to the king. So let's not blame poor old Bathsheba here, okay? (laughs) And then, wow, this is wicked. Then when he realizes he may get some notoriety for this, it may get exposed, he puts her husband at the front lines guaranteeing that he'll be killed. You may not like Trump, but David is wicked. Come on. Just joking. This, this is wrong. How could he be a man after God's own heart? We've interpreted that to be that he had a God-like heart. No, that's not what it's saying. It's not saying he had a God-like heart. He had a heart after God. Even in his crimes, even in his sin, even in his failings, he was still a man who chased after God. He was still after God's heart. Listen, do you realize you can blow it, you can mess up, you can sin, and you can come back from that? Amen? You can still be a God chaser. You can still say, God, I I love you. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I messed up like that. I don't understand what's wrong with me. God, forgive me, but I'm still after you. Amen? I'm still hungry for you. You can be hungry for God and still mess up. Am I helping anybody? I'm not trying to excuse you. I'm just trying to let you know it's not the end of the story. Amen. Be a God chaser. Have a heart that's after him. Capital A-F-T-E-R. After him. He chased God. But let me give you this. Let me give you this. You may be a God chaser, but I do, I do need to give you a little warning. Goliath is coming. There will be some trials. I'm not one of those preachers who just, you know, it's all roses. It's mostly thorns. It's a lot of thorns. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere where they pre. Uh, bye. Y'all remember this scripture in Mark chapter 10? And this scripture has been a blessing to me over the years. Jesus answered and he said to them, and this is in Mark 10. You ought to read that whole chapter to get the context. I don't have time this morning, but he said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. Say no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Wow. In other words, anyone that has obeyed me and followed me who shall not receive a hundredfold now, say now, in this time, say in this time, and we're not talking about heaven Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. But then there's those two words. See, I can get you to shout until we get to with persecutions. Hello. But God's been good. 
but it's been with persecutions. In other words, to the level, oh, this is too deep. I don't think y'all can handle this. You have your doubts too, don't you? (laughs) To the degree that you can handle persecution, that's the degree that God will bless you. Some of you aren't real blessed because you won't put up with persecution. Because you're always praying, God, get me out of it. Or you're trying to get even. And God is simply saying, I'll bless you for leaving family and all the things you've left, all the things you've left behind, all the things you let go. But remember, there's still Goliath. But my question is, who would David be if Goliath hadn't showed up? Who would you be if you hadn't faced a few tribulations and trials? Amen. Amen. I'm I'm telling you, your friends are not the ones that bless you. It's really your enemies. Goliath did more for David than any of his friends. Come on, somebody. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Before David got into that battle, nobody believed in David. The soldiers didn't believe in him. The king didn't believe in him. His brothers called him a snotty-nosed, red-haired... His parents didn't believe in him. Hey, can you take some food down to the battle? That's about all you're good for. Just take these sandwiches down there. Amen? Stop by McDonald's, get a few happy meals for the kids. And just take this down there because that's about, you're not good enough to fight. You're not good enough to be recognized. Nobody believed in him. His enemy laughed at him. His enemy said, I'll leave you for the birds, amen. But David picked up a rock. I want you to hear something else, amen. A rock was not what David needed. David needed a sword. You may not have what you need. But throw what you got at the devil, amen, because God will use what you have. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. Y'all aren't getting it. He he threw that rock. Listen, it wasn't the rock that killed him. The rock just knocked him over. Then the Bible says he stood over him, pulled his big old nasty sword out, the sword he needed in the first place. If you give God what you got, he'll give you what you need. He'll take it from the enemy's camp. He'll cut off the head of your adversary. Oh, somebody help me in this, please. Listen to me. One, one more point. Is it up there yet? You're gonna, this is interesting. It's time to take off some clothes. If you want to know what that means, come back next Sunday let you chew on that all week long. Preacher, what are you talking about? This is a holiness church. Do you remember when David got it right after Uzzah and Ahio messed up, right? Some people, the first little bump on the road, and they're all messed up. 
David got it right. Put the Ark of the Covenant. You don't do it on modern technology. Modern technology is not going to bring in the presence of the Lord. It's good to have. Hallelujah. It speaks to a younger generation. Whatever. But I'm here to tell you that's not what brings in the presence of the Lord. In fact, sometimes our technology is so good and our musicians are so good that we get to the point where we really don't need God. And we mistake talent for anointing. Jesus. Where was I? They bring in the ark. You know, it's funny. I I heard T.D. Jakes preach somewhere along these lines. And he actually had a replica of the ark. And he had guys dressed as priests, and they brought in the ark. And he was preaching how Uzzah did it wrong, and David did it wrong. And then they figured out the right way to do it. And as they're bringing it in, I got I, my eyes, I, my jaw dropped because they were bringing it in wrong. <laughs> They have the staves in the wrong place, and, and, and you're supposed to carry it in on the shoulders of the priests. Listen, the glory has to be brought in on your shoulders. You have to be willing to bear the weight of the glory. But instead, they were holding it down here, carrying it in. And I'm watching the TV, waiting for one of them dudes to fall dead. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. Good to know. But there was a right way to bring in the glory. You know, but remember the story? It said that, and some people said he danced naked. That's not, that, read your scripture. That's not true. He danced out of his kingly clothes. And when he did, they found that what he was wearing was the linen ephod of the priest. The linen ephod. Listen, David wasn't from the tribe of Levi. It was a divine exception that God let David minister before the Lord, even though he was from the tribe of Judah. Kind of sounds like Jesus. So he strips out of his kingly clothes, and his wife, Michal, is up there and up there and goes, Oh, you sure acted like a king today dancing around half naked. What's wrong with you? You're a king. You were supposed to be in the best clothes. You were supposed to have all the linens from the east and, and dressed up with jewels. And you, you, you had to look the part. God, help us to quit looking the part. It's time to come out of our priestly clothes. It's time to come out. People keep talking about coming out. Yeah, we need to come out, all right. We need to come out of our control and manipulation. We need to come out. We need to come out of pretending we're somebody we aren't. We need to take off the mask. Take off the kingly clothes. Take off the worldly clothes. And let's be dressed in the meekness and the humility of ministry once again. Amen. Let's wear the ephod. Nothing but ministry.
Church, that's all we've been about for almost 38 years. We just want to, we just want to minister. Good morning, and thank you for listening to this sermon from Pastor Philippi from Journey Life Center. I'm Misty, Pastor Philippi's administrative assistant. I would like to take this opportunity to invite you to our fall awakening services. We will be hosting revivalist Matt Hartley. You may recognize Matt Hartley's name as he was one of the leaders in the West Virginia revival from a few years ago. You will not want to miss any of these awakening services. They will begin on Sunday, October 27th at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. We will also have services nightly, Monday, October 28th through Wednesday, October 30th at 7 p.m. every night. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at 419-747-2404. We are also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Journey Life Center. You can also visit our website at journeylifecenter.org. Please have a blessed day, and thank you for listening.